Welcome to another episode of The Powerful Project. Today, we're welcoming on Sheena Shui. So she is a therapist and a social worker, and she focuses on helping people get the most out of their life and manage their burnout, anxiety, and also relationships. She has a really vast wealth of knowledge, so I'm so excited to have her on today. Welcome, Sheena. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be with you both. Now, our first question that we always ask our guests, what does being powerful mean to you? Yeah, that's a really powerful question. I would say, with, at the risk of sounding like Dr. Zeus, <laughs> I think it's just being the US version of you, right? Because I think being showing up as authentically you and really sort of turning up the volume on who you are is actually not that easy. So I think that, for me, that's really the definition is giving yourself permission to show up as 100% authentically you, I think that's really powerful. Be the youest you. I love that. And it's understanding who you are as well is something that I think some people might not be able to answer the question of. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's why it's such a, a big thing to do because a lot of the time if we have experienced trauma or we have social anxiety or for whatever reason, our personality type is more of what I call the people person. So I have a little quiz that I get people to do because there's four sort of anxiety personality types and burnout personality types. And when you've experienced those things or when you're a bit of a people person, you don't have what we call a strong sense of self. And that sense of self is exactly that. It's what makes you you. So what's your favourite food? What's your favourite memory? If you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? What's your favourite trait in a person? You know, all of those sorts of things actually make up who you are. And they might seem really trivial, but if you aren't sure about even bigger questions of what's important to me in life, what are my core values, what do I value in other people, What are some non-negotiables when it comes to friendships, relationships, workplaces? If you don't know that, it's very easy to just blow with the wind and get pushed around and all of a sudden you're living a life that you don't really want to live, but you don't rustle feathers that way either. So it can be very easy to fall into that if you've got social anxiety or people-pleasing tendencies because you want to be so likeable and kind and sort of be perceived as whatever people want you to be rather than who you are. That's such a good description of it as well. (laughs) So I think many people will be like, I know who I am. And then you actually start asking questions and a lot of them might be to please other people. Yeah, I think a lot of us don't know ourselves fully. And it's a lifelong journey because the thing is we're constantly evolving. So what my core values were three years ago have changed to what they are now. You know, certain life circumstances will change that for you. So it's never like a, I'm done. Yep, I know who I am for the rest of my life. You know, we're constantly evolving and changing. But I think there are definitely sort of really core things that make us who we are. So, yeah, I think it's really important to get in touch with that. And, and, you know, a lot of the clients that I work with are business owners. So I really sort of work predominantly with business owners in my, in my private practice. And that's the thing. It can show up in business quite a lot too, right? So it can show up as 
showing up on social media and actually saying what you want to say. And a lot of the time that might be that controversial thing that you're sort of holding back on that you're like, I really want to say that, but it's really polarizing. Or the last time I said that, I got a troll or (laughs) some negative comments. But if you have the guts to actually lean into that, your people will find you. And that's just not for business owners too. That's for anyone. If you can lean into, actually, I'm actually quite a spiritual person and I don't really want to hide that part of me anymore. Great. Show that part of yourself. If you have certain beliefs about the way the world runs or society or whatever that are really important to you, it's okay to show that part of you even if it pisses people (laughs) off sometimes because those people aren't your people anyway. So, yeah, I think that that's a a really key piece and and it really plays into anxiety and burnout as well. Yeah, that's a beautiful description of that as well. You're so elaborate. (laughs) I think we start delving into the psychology world. You start understanding how many layers there actually are. It's like mindset is one thing and then understanding yourself is a whole deeper level. Actually, that is a great segue for you explaining who you are. I would love to hear your story both in both um, the professional world and also personally too. Yeah, and that's a really big question too, I find, because I I talk to a lot of people about their stories and it can be the story of the last three years, <laughs> 10 years, life story. But basically, the reason that I really focus on anxiety and burnout is because I've suffered with anxiety my whole life and a lot of people don't really realise that anxiety and burnout often does come from trauma or attachment stuff and It's something I don't necessarily lead with always in in my private practice because I think it can be really confronting to actually understand that I didn't get all my needs met as a kid, as a teenager, and now my anxiety and burnout are because of that. Uh, So, you know, my, uh, my own story is around anxiety and burnout and so I think it's really important to work in in a in an industry and in a way that really relates to you. So even though I've helped people with many different mental health issues or mindset issues, I'm really passionate about that because that's something that I've worked with. But um, again, yeah, professionally, most of the time I'm working with women who have, yeah, burnout, anxiety issues. A lot of the time it's that high-achieving woman. So I've worked with a lot of sort of athletes, women in media, CEOs, like sort of C-suite executives um, and particularly business owners as well because they're the risk takers of the world. They're the ones who are actually leaning into who they are and that's a whole journey of itself, right? And I've been there. That's the thing. I'm a business owner too. So I can take them through that journey as I'm going through it myself. What sort of symptoms or ways that people, things that people are experiencing, do they come with the complaint of? Because I think a lot of people might say they have anxiety or they are experiencing burnout, but what would be underlying that? Definitely. So I think it's just to get clear on a couple of definitions is that anxiety isn't necessarily the feeling of anxiousness because we're all going to feel anxious at some point. So If you can understand that anxiety is both a state, I'm feeling anxious right now, and also a disorder where it's longer lasting. So it's sort of day in more often than not. So of a seven-day week, you're you're feeling anxious more often than not. 
And I think, again, the difference between stress and anxiety is important too. So we're all going to feel stress. We're all going to feel anxiety. The key difference with stress and anxiety is if we can use the example of an exam, that's often the example that I use is that let's say you've got an exam or a test coming up. It's very normal to feel stressed and a little bit worried going into it and even during. But the difference with stress and anxiety is that if somebody's only feeling stress after their exam, their, their stress levels go back down and they go, okay, that's done. Like I'm happy that that's over with. Move on to the next thing. Anxiety is this feeling of what if I didn't do enough? And what if I fail? And if I fail, does that mean I'll fail the subject? And if I fail the subject, will I fail the course? And that does that mean I won't get a job and then I'll be homeless? Like it's that very what if. So stress is very much based on something's happening right now and I'm stressed about it, whereas anxiety is worrying about things that haven't even happened yet, that what if thought. So that's a key difference, not noticing that in yourself. And then burnout is the next step. So when you've sort of been living with stress, living with anxiety, and you've just been ignoring it, you're not doing anything about it, you're not sort of talking to someone or even just asking yourself, you know, what is this about? It ends up being burnout. And burnout is that just exhaustion. So you're tired, you're not looking forward to things anymore. You're starting to have low immunity, so you're getting sick all the time. Like everything that goes around, you're getting it, and when you do get it, it's just lasting a long time. You're starting to have a bit of feeling of dread. So instead of looking forward to things, it's this sort of feeling of it's just heavy. Then you just might have that feeling of I'm just not myself right now. Like, But that kind of, you know, that exhaustion where it's like, it's not just I'm tired, like I'm physically, mentally, emotionally, I'm just, I'm done. It's that feeling. Yeah, that was a really good description of anxiety and the difference between stress and anxiety because I know the word itself can be thrown around but the emotion is different to the actual experience of anxiety. That can be really important to know. And so have you personally experienced burnout quite a few times before you, well, while you were doing your studies around psychology and social work and starting to work on the techniques and tools and things that you can use to improve it? Yeah. So burnout is actually a great place to catch clients because sometimes, again, I have a really good diagram of my Instagram that I think you've seen as well, where it's stress turns into anxiety if you ignore it. Anxiety can turn into burnout if you ignore it, and burnout can turn into depression if you ignore it. And the the way that I, again, describe it is if you sort of have a little sprain or a little niggle in your knee, that's a really good indication like, hey, I just need to take a couple of days off. Like, again, you guys are in the physical <laughs> health industry. So, okay, it's okay. Like, I need to rest and recover. I can't push through because I could really seriously injure myself, which is going to keep me out for weeks if I don't actually just take a few days off. That's what happens with burnout. It's when people push through the burnout, it ends up being depression. And depression is much harder to get out of because, again, by that point, you've probably got adrenal fatigue. You're just not interested in being who you are anymore. So you're not interested in your activities anymore all of that sort of stuff, which is really tricky. So 
it's great when people come at the stage of burnout because it means that they're not quite there yet because obviously the worse the injury, the harder the rehab is going to be. But definitely if somebody comes to me with burnout, first we're just going to get to the very core basics. You know, the core basics are really easy to glide over a lot of the time, but we all know it and you guys know it. We would see it with our clients. It's, are you sleeping okay? Are you staying hydrated? Again, like we're, we're 70 to 80% water. Your brain is water. So even if you're only 2% hydrated, that can affect your brain fog, your concentration, and all of that affects your mood and your ability to function. So getting back to those basics of have you slept right? Are you eating right? Are you, you know, taking vitamins? Have you seen a naturopath? Like all of that really physio- physiological stuff, right? Because we even know things like vitamin B deficiencies can mimic anxiety issues, depression issues, magnesium deficiencies, all of that. So not every therapist will look at that. Not every doctor will even look at that. So, you know, something I'm very passionate about is the fact that let's look at that first. Let's try all the natural remedies first because unfortunately sometimes when you do go to a doctor, and you say, I'm feeling anxious. And again, you might not have anxiety yet. You might just be saying, I feel anxious sometimes and it's uncomfortable for me. First, so many, the first reaction is let's get you on medication, which can often make things worse when you're not yet curious about, well, what caused this to begin with, right? Like if you have a knee injury and like that niggle we talked about, if you keep getting this niggle that kind of comes back and you have to rest it and it comes back and instead, and you go to the doctor and the doctor goes, oh, look, I've just got some meds that, you know, let's just treat this with meds. And you go, yeah, but that's not really telling me what I'm doing in my form, for example, that keeps leading me to this knee injury. So why would I not look at that first? And then if I still fix my form and it's still not working, then we could try that. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it really does. Yeah, yeah. So we look at the basics and then we look at, again, that sense of self stuff, but also your personality type because from your personality type, I can tell what kind of childhood you had mm-hmm. and I and then from that I can tell what's driving the high achievement which leads to the burnout because, again, burnout is often led by this, I just can't switch off. Well, why can't you switch off? And again, for different reasons, people are going to have different reasons. So some people grew up where maybe they only got praise, attention, affection when they got straight A's on their report card or they did really well at sport or maybe they looked a certain way, whatever. So, you know, um, nowadays we really encourage parents to give their children praise just for being who they are. And then, of course, if they achieve something, you go, well, like I'm really proud of you that you stuck with it and you did this. So it's not to say don't do that. But if if you only get praise tied to achievement, you're going to be addicted to achievement because you associate achievement with love and with worth rather than I'm just as worthy sitting on the couch or going for a walk as I am when I'm burning money or getting degrees or achieving, you know. So there's there's those sorts of things that we kind of look at of what kind of environmental factors growing up did lead to this kind of burnout drivers for you and that changes from person to person. 
What other personality styles are there? Yeah, yeah. So there's four key personality styles that we look at. So there's the people person, which again is that kind of people-pleasing one. And that's often where there might have been like a narcissistic parent in the household or you might have been the golden child or the peacekeeper in the family where you knew, okay, if I just keep everyone else happy, I'm going to get love, I'm going to get praise, I'm not going to be sort of attacked in any way. So there's kind of that feeling of if I just keep everybody else happy, I'm going to be safe. Um, And again, this all happens unconsciously. We don't ever consciously do that, but this, this is sometimes what can happen. Then we've got the calming presence as well. So this is someone that, unlike the other types, when they feel stressed or anxious, they actually shut down. But they don't, but people look, they look very calm on the outside, hence the calming presence. Unlike the other types where it can be quite obvious that they're anxious or they're not doing okay, everyone just assumes that the calming presence is okay. They're almost like the forgotten child a little bit of, oh, look, they're not saying anything. They just seem to be zoning out. They're keeping to themselves. Like they're not a hassle. So they often get missed a lot. And, you know, friends and family don't really check in because they, there's no sort of outward indicators that they're not doing okay other than maybe that maybe they're shutting down or they're scrolling their phone a lot or they zone out. So they sort of get into what we call freeze mode where it's just blanking out. But other than that, the symptoms aren't as obvious with the others. So the other two, the high achiever, which most of the women that come through my practice are this one. So it's the workaholic of when stress or anxiety happens, instead of dealing with the thoughts or emotions, I'm just going to throw myself into work, keep busy, keep going, keep moving. And it can almost be a little bit emotionally detached of, oh, look, there's this big thing happening in my life. Let's just compartmentalize that, put that over here and just keep moving, keep going, keep doing, and then and it gets louder, right? So that's when anxiety is like, hey, you're not paying attention to all the shit you've got going on, like wake up. <laughs> so that's really, that's probably the most anxious type of all the types is the high achiever because they don't sit with their emotions more than all the other types. Um And then the final type is the leader, which is also on the same level as the high achiever. So they're very similar in that they're both action-orientated personality types. But the leader is almost like um, that mix of, okay, something big and emotional is happening. I've got to fix it. So instead of sort of pulling away like the high achiever does or like almost emotionally removing themselves, the leader kind of leans into the emotion which can lead a little bit to almost like an overreaction sometimes of you know um like a very adrenaline fueled reaction of like let's get this done like like sort of so it can lead to like anger outbursts or like crying outbursts or emotional outbursts that kind of thing and again all of this happens unconsciously. I just want to make sure like no one does this on purpose or anything like that. And a lot of the time we're not even aware that we're doing it, which is why it's helpful to even just get awareness around that. So you can go, oh, so when I'm feeling heightened, 
my personality type leans in too much. Okay, so the next time I'm heightened, I need to sort of mentally check in and go, okay, maybe I need to lean out a little bit or delegate or pull back, you know, sort of being aware of the strengths of my personality and the areas of improvement in my personality too. That's awesome. So there's two sides to each personality generally and some of them might need to do the opposite of another to help themselves regulate and manage their surroundings and help their selves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is why it can be really helpful if you work closely with someone like yourselves or if you have a team, knowing each other's personality types because, for example, if you have the leader, which I said can be really kind of anxiety-driven and emotional, and then you've got someone who's a calming presence, if you're in a workplace or you've got clients, that would be amazing if the leader could go, hey, I'm feeling really heightened right now. Can you tap into me? And the calming presence can go, yeah, no worries, because that that person is actually very good client-facing, if that makes sense, mm. because in that moment they can actually, they're, they're not sort of going too far with it. That makes sense. So, you know, that way you can know that in yourselves. And say if you're in a relationship, if you know each other's kinds of, okay, you tend to shut down when you're stressed, whereas I tend to lean in too much. It's like, can we swap for a minute? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever the situation is of you're going to handle that better than me, but I'm going to handle this part better than you. So let's play to each other's kind of strengths and areas of improvement. (laughs) Once you know yourself well enough, you can articulate that to another person. Um, Obviously, working with a therapist can really help you get there because, you know, we have these generalizations about the personality types. But again, uh, what can happen is we generally have a default one. So of the four types, we have a main one. But sometimes we have like a secondary one that we go to. So um, usually we have one of either the high achiever or the leader type as our dominant or the like we'll either have one or the opposite. So the high achievers and the leaders are the action orientated people, whereas the people person and the calming presence are more of the we'll do what you say kind of people if that makes sense so they sort of pull back they're less action orientated so you can see how um we're going to have one type where sometimes we're really anxiety and cortisol and stress driven where we're taking action but then sometimes if we're just burnt out we're probably going to have more of a relaxed i can't i just there's nothing i can do right now kind of a reaction so that's often we have a action orientated and a, a non-action orientated secondary one does that make sense is that yeah yeah so you we're going back to understanding yourself <laughs> when it comes yes. to relationships with other people which does make sense so where would your first step for someone be in understanding more about themselves? First of all, I guess it's understanding even what you like and what you don't like when it comes to personal development. So I remember in my own journey, I used to hate journaling. (laughs) I think because as a kid, I always felt like it was like, dear diary, how are you? And I'm like, this feels awkward and weird. Like, who am I talking to? What am I saying? So I didn't get into journaling for a long time. And then once I realised that journaling 
was so much different to that, I was able to get into it. And I think if you're not quite there yet to see a therapist, because sometimes you have to sort of be mentally ready for that because it is a bit of a big journey to kind of go, oh, that's what I've been doing. Or, oh, my gosh, that's what happened with my childhood. Oh, I don't want to see that. But now I see it and I can't unsee it. So you kind of have to mentally be ready for that. But, again, if you're not quite there yet, I think knowing what kind of personal development feels good for you. So it's it's how can I turn inward and feel comfortable with it? So for some people, it's starting to learn how to meditate or be mindful. But for other people, if you're very high tolerant or there's some really stuck stuff, like maybe there's some past instances that have happened, like workplace bullying or again, some childhood trauma stuff or a bad breakup that you just haven't shifted, sometimes when we go to stop and be still with mindfulness or meditation, it can actually exacerbate that feeling because we're we're actually acknowledging it. So, you know, that works for some people to calm them down and then others, if there's really big stuff stuck, it's not the great one. So it's, it's trying those things out. But things like mindfulness and meditation, great. Even mindful movement, so things like yoga, Pilates, weight training, where you're very in the moment. So you're not necessarily just aligned with your thoughts, but you're just coming back to the moment. There's a lot that can be processed through that. So, And I'm sure with both of you working in that physical health industry, how many times has someone broken down mid-session? I'm sure that's happened because you're actually facing stuff and the body keeps score. And so there's a lot of yoga and even Pilates instructors who they can tell where someone's emotional pain is and what it's about just by looking at them or looking how they move. And once, like, let's say they've got tight hips or groin area and you release that, so much emotion comes out at the same time. So it doesn't always have to be that speaking stuff or like very mental, verbal stuff. Um, Again, journaling can be great. So how I got into it and how I recommend my clients get into it now is definitely just scrolling through Pinterest and like journal prompts and finding one that really clicks with you. So like I said, it can be something as like, as simple as if you could travel anywhere in the world, you know, time, money, responsibility was not an issue, where would you go? You know, that might seem trivial, but that can tell you a lot about yourself. Because if you go, oh, I'd love to just, you know, be in Italy and sit on a nice beach and have my family around, that kind of thing. Obviously, that might tell you that Okay, maybe you like a bit of luxury um, (laughs) and maybe the beach is your space. Like maybe that's the space where you feel the most yourself. So you're already learning a bit about yourself just from a simple question like that. It could be if you start to visualise it and you see family around, maybe you're recognising, oh, like I haven't seen my family that much lately and that's why that popped up to me because I'm missing them. So Even simple questions like that on Pinterest around journaling can give us a lot of insight and a really good place to start to get to know ourselves. And gratefulness is super important because when we start to look at things that we're grateful for, it actually rewires our brain for positivity. So often when we're highly anxious, 
we tend to be warriors as in like not a warrior like spear <laughs> but like warrior like I'm so worried all of the time because your future planning for all the things that could go wrong rather than feeling like what about all the things that could go right so the the easiest way to tell when someone's really kind of struggling with anxiety is again another example of if we went to a waterhole together and it's really remote and it's maybe a hot day and we're out of somewhere, someone who's in a great space and feeling really good will go, wow, isn't this beautiful? I can't believe we found that. You know, let's go down there. Whereas someone who's maybe feeling very anxious might turn around and go, oh, but like, should we go down there? Will we get back in time? Oh, but what if there's a snake down there? And oh, what if we trip and we can't get out of here? And who's going to find it? Like, all the, nothing has even happened yet, and yet they're spiralling into this negativity. I mean, my dad's Eastern German, so I can relate to some degree. But, you know, I think there's still a, a rule-breaking thing there of, but uh, I don't want to swear on anything, but stuff it. We'll do it anyway, you know. And I think that's the difference of like you can worry, but if you go, but I'm not going to let that hold me back and I'm just going to do it anyway, that's the difference again between someone who talks themselves out of something before they've even begun. It's like they just try so hard for achievement because remember I sort of touched on a lot of high achievers associate love, worthiness, respect, all of that with achieving and what they have that momentary yeah and then it's on to the next it's not like a let you know let's celebrate this and again you know their their 80 percent is most people's 110 percent so you know things that other people would go wow I'm so proud of myself (laughs) for doing that a lot of high achievers don't even see that as as worth celebrating and part of that is that gratefulness piece of when we start to ask ourselves, what am I grateful for? You start to see the positive things. And again, things that you're grateful for, even in your body, of the fact that I can hear, I can see, I can smell, I can, you know, I can walk. I have a healthy digestive system. You know, it's little things like that. When you start to look for positive things, your brain releases dopamine and it goes oh I like looking for positive things when we look at things positively we release more dopamine more serotonin so it's almost like you're wiring your brain to see the world more positively the way you do it it's like a rolling stone gathers moss right the more you do it the more you just see and it just comes so naturally but it's very hard when you've been sort of stuck in that negativity for years often without anyone kind of calling you on it. Could you explain a little more about, so when you're stuck in an anxious or an anxiety state and then you find gratitude and the opposite side, could you explain more about the physiological state that's happening? Because a lot of people might think that's normal to feel that way, to worry about everything because they have their whole life. But it's actually a fight or flight state they've been stuck in their whole life. They could see a different side. It just comes from how their body and brain are perceiving the world. Could you explain a little bit more about that state? The, the physiological mm. side? Mm. Yeah. So, so often if I can get them to, and sometimes it's hard, remember how I mentioned that sometimes with 
when you've been highly anxious for a long time, being mindful or still can actually make you feel even more anxious. So I have to sort of tread carefully, but when I can, which most of the time I can, it's only sort of here and there where people can't, but if I can get people to do a visualization with me or a guided meditation where you're not just alone with your thoughts, but I'm just sort of talking you through again, like if we would do it now, imagine an apple and it's the most red apple you've ever seen. You know, like I'm talking you through it. So you're just listening to my voice. And then we just focus on breathing and we do what we call a body scan where we just scan the body, you know, mentally, almost like a robot scanning through. You can imagine with the laser of where is the tension? Is it in my jaw? Is it in my shoulders? And just doing that for 10 minutes and then getting them to go, so how do you feel after doing some breathing and actually being mindful in the moment for 10 minutes, not being anywhere else but right here? right now they're like i can't remember the last time i felt like this and then you go this is what you're supposed to feel like and then it's like a light bulb where they're like so what the other thing <laughs> and and then you know i don't think i've just i've described this with you Kirsty, before in the dms as well and it's all it's all over my page but again i talk about this window of tolerance and for those who can't see it and you're just listening if you can imagine <clears throat> you've got a window, like a, li- a literal window in front of you, and that's how much of life you can tolerate. And, you know, life's daily stresses, we all have stresses, that kind of sort of stuff. But we start to act out in those personality types, actually, when we, when we come outside of how much we can tolerate of everyday life stresses. And that's when we really start to act out those personality types. So on one side of that window is the the high achiever and the leader, that very action-orientated, adrenaline-fueled, strengths, like really hyper-aroused, what we call it. So very heart rate's up, everything's up, everything's intense. On the other side of the window, on the bottom side of the window, is what we call hypo-aroused, which is when you're actually shutting down. So the two personality types on that side, the people person and the calming presence, the calming presence is literally when I feel stressed, I shut down. I just want to scroll. I'm not really present. I'm just doing things on autopilot. You tell me something and I can't remember it. And then the people person, their shutting down doesn't look the same. Their shutting down looks like submission of what do you want to eat oh let's just do whatever you want to do where do you want to go oh whatever is easy you just you know it's very like I'm I'm not here let's just do whatever you want to do I don't want to make decisions I just want to be make everyone happy so it's a submission state and yes physiologically they're different but I'll ask people Okay, so when was the last time you felt like you were inside the window, like actually in your good zone? So not above it, not below it, but actually in their good zone. And they, they'll say, oh, never. <laughs> like I'm, I'll ask them like what percentage of their life they feel like they're in there and, they'll, and they're like, I, I'm never. I, I never wake up not stressed, not anxious, not heart racing. So I think that that's really big is actually understanding, feeling like you run off your feet all the time. 
it's not just you telling yourself that. It's actually a physiological, your heart is literally racing. Your adrenaline is literally going. And a, a really key example of that is if we were if we were just hanging out now, we're just sitting on the couch, just chilling out, just having a chat. And then I said, well, Kirsty, you're actually half an hour late for your appointment. Like you've got to go. Just that thought, all of a sudden that thought has now increased your heart rate. You know, you're, you're sweating, you're doing all the things, but nothing's happened. I've just planted that seed that you're late and now you're thinking it and all these physiological reactions are happening because of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So sometimes if we can change the physiology, we can s- slow down the thoughts. So it sounds a little bit crazy, <laughs> but sometimes, again, it, it takes a shock to the system. So when you're really spiralling, and I think we've all been there where it's, it's almost close to a panic attack where we just we just feel very overwhelmed if we're not yet even in a panic attack state. We can sometimes it's too hard to challenge thoughts or do something like that in that moment. You can't sort of be talked down from it. What can happen is you need to change the physiology. So it is having a super cold shower, a super hot shower. It's doing some sort of intense exercise and then relaxing. So sort of running, running, running like a sprint and then slow, like something slow, even something like eating something really spicy, an ice cube, really cold, holding that in your mouth until you almost have a brain freeze. (laughs) Even sucking on a lemon has shown to do this where sometimes if it's at that point where you're just you're too almost too far gone for the logic the logic's gone you're just you know emotional physiological that physiological response of you know like imagine someone throwing a cup of water in your face and you just kind of get shocked like oh okay i've snapped out of it now that's kind of what you're aiming for Hmm. So that's kind of creating that physiological stress cycle of the stress has happened. Oh, I've got to come down from that and recover again. Whereas if you're just stuck in it, you're going to be mulling like crazy. It's almost like you have to shock someone out of it. <laughs> Snap in out of it. In the safest possible way. <laughs> yeah, obviously safely. <laughs> now that's so incredible. So you work a lot with people physiologically and psychologically to help them improve their anxiety and burnout and then their relationships and work from that. Yeah, exactly. So because, it, again, when we're, when we're regulated, so when we are in that window of tolerance, when we're inside our good zone, what we say is you're cool, calm, collected and connected. So when we're our best selves, we feel like socialising. If something stressful happens at work or with the team or even in our relationships, we go, okay, that's pretty stressful, but I can handle this. You feel like you can handle it and come down the other side. So you can see how that would really affect your friendships, your relationships, if you're coming from a place of calm and regulated because we all co-regulate each other. And I think we've all felt that feeling of someone anxious walking into a room or a group meeting and the whole dynamic changes Mm -hmm. and not from fault of their own, it's just, as human beings, we're wired to pick up on each other. And so, but we've all had, again, that same opposite experience of when we're heightened and someone walks in with a calm, almost non-verbal presence, like they just come and hug you, no words, 
or they just sit next to you again no words but how powerful that that sort of presence and energy is that you can see how whether you're regulated or not that's really going to affect the way people interact with you and then how you see yourself because of those interactions yeah, that's so fascinating because a lot of people will repeat relationships in their life or repeat interactions in their life as well and think that it's always the other people. So it could be how you respond to people as a human being. Because you see animals behave that way. Like if one, you know, you've got a little flock of birds and there's one crazy one in there, it goes and annoys all the other ones. They all just fly off and get pissed off. <laughs> it's like, well, no wonder. <laughs> like maybe you can be that presence that helps other people regulate as well. That could actually be really powerful. Exactly, exactly. Um, I've heard of people that have the ability to hold space for others. So do you think if you've gotten to that place where you're, what is it cool, calm, collected and connected? Mm, remember, yeah, good remember idea it? for remembering. Oh, yeah. Look at me go. <laughs> you can be that person that creates space for others because you have your own capacity. Absolutely. And and you actually can train yourself to do that. So that's actually one of the things that, yeah, as therapists, counsellors, psychologists, social workers, and, and I'm sure, you know, as people working in the industry, like the physical health industry, it's all inter interconnected where I think we've all, and regardless of the industry you're in, I think we've all had that moment where you know that, okay, I've just got to turn it on because it's not about me right now. I've got to be here for that person. And it's almost like, you mentally make a shift into the physiology you want to be. So, you know, you'll see this with my industry. So, again, psychologists and therapists and that kind of thing where we, we're very aware that our physiology, the way that we're holding ourselves, even my tone, pace of voice is really going to impact you. So we sort of almost mentally step into that identity when we go into the counselling room of, I'm holding space for you. This is a therapeutic space. Does that make sense? Mm. So even for ourselves, if, if you're worried, like, I'm very anxious. I know that I'm a generally anxious per person. Because, again, a lot of us, and I identify this with myself, is you can have a sort of anxious demeanour. Mm -hmm. And some people just naturally are more anxious than others. And that's okay. I think it's just mentally being aware of, again, your tone of, voice your pace of voice and is it is it being two-way as mm. well yeah yeah that actually brings up a question in me around friendships and relationships with other people so I know sometimes you'll go and see someone and they are a bit of an energy vampire and will take up all that room and take up all that negative energy whereas other people you tend to have that balance or also you have that nice back and forth between yourself and that person. Um, are there ways you recommend communication-wise you can start being aware of how you communicate with others to help create more positive relationships with others in your life? And do you mean in the way of what to do if you've got a vampire or an energy suck? Or uh, how to not be one because I know you can't change anyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I, know, I think that's the thing is that, you know, we've all been guilty of it when we all have our own stuff going on and so sometimes we'll catch up with a friend and if we've got big stuff going on, we do, you know, make it about ourselves in that moment and that's okay. You know, if 
if you catch up with a friend and someone's gone through a relationship breakup that day, mm. of course, they're going to be down. It's going to be all about them. Like in that moment, your stuff doesn't matter because they've just gone through something really emotionally turbulent. So so I think the key thing here is um, noticing, you know, there's going to be moments in life where people aren't themselves. So if they're grieving, if they're going through, again, relationship breakup, if, you know, work, whatever it is, there's going to be moments like we can't be cool, calm, collected and regulated all the time, particularly when something emotional happens. That's natural to have a, a reaction to that. But if outside of that, it's really making sure that when you catch up with someone, it is that two-way conversation and noticing how you feel with them. Because if we are, quote, unquote, taking over the conversation, that might be because we feel unsafe in that interaction for some reason. So we're getting more anxious seeing that person. And what happens when we're anxious? We often talk a lot. <laughs> some people will shut down. So if you're the calming presence, you might shut down and talk less when you're anxious. But all the other types, the other three types will tend to talk more. So if you're feeling, if you're walking away from an interaction going, oh, I don't know if that was really two-way, like did I take over the conversation or, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe there is something in that relationship that doesn't make you feel safe. And then, of course, the next question is, why don't I feel safe with that person? Isn't that I don't feel I can be my authentic self with them? Do I feel like they're going to judge me when they walk away from this? You know, what is it about them that brings that out in me as opposed to someone else where we never really have that kind of interaction. That's so fascinating. I think a lot of our relationships do end up becoming our mirrors as well for, like you said, learning more about yourself, <laughs> why you behave mm -hmm. differently with different people or also how certainly you just explained why does that reaction or sorry, why does that relationship and that interaction with someone make you feel a certain way? It's all a way to learn back again, more about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there is that saying, that age-old one, like, you know, you are the five relationships that you spend the most time with. But I also think that's not an accident either. So we consciously can choose those five people and mm. we can go, who do I want to become? I'm going to consciously choose to make an effort. But if you haven't consciously done that, if you look around right now and really think about, who do I spend the most time with? That is a reflection of who you are. So if there's someone in your life who complains a lot, but they're one of the sort of five people in your life, what do you two have in common? And if you're starting to get agitated with that trait in them, obviously you don't like that in yourself or when you're complaining and not doing. Because we all, again, we all <laughs> vent, we all complain. That's a normal part mm -hmm. of being a human being. The difference is, when you don't take action. Actually, I always say that to myself and also clients. I'm like, you can whinge all you like as long as you're doing the thing. We're all good. And usually that actually oh, makes yeah. people complain less because they're like, oh, cool. Well, I don't really have anything it's to whinge about anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's and it's with anxiety and stress sometimes. So there is this one strategy. I don't always recommend it, but it can be helpful is allotting yourself worry time. <laughs> so there's this exercise where you go, okay, at three o'clock, at five o'clock, whatever, I'm going to write down every single thing that's stressing me out. 
for 10 or 15 minutes and then I'm done because it's almost like, okay, I've been storing this all in my head today. (laughs) Once it's out and once I allow myself to feel it and think it, it's done. Because again, remember the high achievers tend to run from their thoughts. So at least it's going, I'm going to allow myself thoughts just enough, (laughs) not too much, but just to get it out and then I'm done. That's a really good strategy because I just thought about it then. So much of the time you don't allow the worry or the fear or the stress or the negative thoughts because you're like, ah, they're negative and shit, just push them away. (laughs) But then you're like, well, here you go. Here's the page. Off you go. Do as much as you possibly can. You're probably like, oh, God, that's a, I've put them all out there now. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> but it definitely works for the high achievers, that's for sure. Maybe probably resonates with me. <laughs> because they like, they like order, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I was resonating a lot with when you were explaining the personality types where I might sit. So I think I'm going to go do your, your test. Where can we do your test, by the way? Is it on your Instagram? Yeah, so it's I've got a free quiz. It's on my website. And then you just get like a little email sequence depending on what type you are, just about how your particular type plays itself out both individually. So what comes up for you on an individual level? How does that play out in your relationships? And how does that play out in your career or your workplace too? Hmm, that's really clever. And again, helping that first step to understanding yourself a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Because even though I, I will say in that <laughs> that test, again, it's a, it, it is a bit general. It's generalized. So, it, you know, take, take what you need, leave what you don't. But what I will say right. is that a lot of the time we see the same kind of childhood development for these types. And I just want to put a little disclaimer because I think it can be a little bit triggering, I've found. I, I, I work in this field, right? So I'm so used to talking about emotions and childhood and, you know, needs not being addressed. But sometimes if, you, if you're sort of new to this and you've never really thought about it and you do a quiz like mine and I tell you that the reason that you've developed X, Y, Z might be because you had a narcissist in your house, that might be really confronting to hear. And again, I just want to remind people that people can have narcissistic traits without being a full-blown narcissist. But often when we have someone like that who's very controlling and very outwardly facing, so they might be that person where they put on a big show when you're outside of the family home, but when they're at home, they don't give that same love and praise or whatever. It can be really confronting if you've never seen that person in that light before and then you go, oh, are they a narcissist? Oh, but no, not sure. Like it's just a big shock. <laughs> so I've just found people doing that quiz sometimes to seeing things very quickly and it can be a bit confronting. So I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there. <laughs> and also the awareness that other people don't process the world the same way you do. Like I think even listening to you now, it's quite funny coming back into my own body and my own brain. I find it easy to just start projecting out all my thoughts as to how I see the world. And like, wait, other people might see it completely differently than I do. <laughs> Got to remind myself of that. Mm, yeah. And and especially, you know, if you've got a partner who's the calming presence, it, I, I've heard this time and time again where people will go, you just don't react to anything. <laughs> like, have a bloody reaction. 
and and they're they're in the inside they're dying they're like I am so anxious right now sorry that I'm not you know smashing up the wall or breaking (laughs) stuff or sweating you know so but you can see if you knew that about each other then the calming presence their job is to lean in more so they have to learn to articulate to their partners look, I know it doesn't look like it right now, but I'm actually really anxious about X, Y, Z. And then the other partner can go, oh, okay, so you are feeling something. (laughs) So they're going to regulate more because they go, oh, like this, I'm not just holding this, you feel this too. Hmm. That's such a great way to understand yourself and others so much more. Hmm. Oh, thank you so much for that, Sheena. There was so much information you've packed into that interview like just came out left right and center about the mind and body and oh my god so much stuff in there I really oh my gosh I hope I haven't overwhelmed you great it was fabulous naturally (laughs) yeah and it really really helped me to understand more about what anxiety and burnout are in general because like I think we've all heard the words but knowing how they are both physically and mentally and that how they might approach, um, how they might come up in other people too, it was so so insightful. So I really hope that our listeners learn lots from that, and also about themselves. Yeah, yeah, and and I guess one final thing too for where it is anxiety is that I think again just to touch on it, if anybody's real, um, you know, struggling with anxiety sometimes, is that there's also different types of anxiety too. So there's you know health anxiety, travel anxiety. And then when we actually talk about anxiety disorders, you've got social anxiety, which is very much anxiety based on social interaction. So you might be totally fine, you know, doing some stressful work in the workplace, but then social interactions, you're sweating, you're thinking it, you're avoiding it, like all the things or generalized anxiety might present different. So social, you might both have an anxiety disorder, but they have different thoughts. So someone with social anxiety will walk away from a party or workplace thing and really think about every single <laughs> conversation and replay it for days and go, why didn't I say this? Could I have said that? How am I being perceived? And lots of worries about that, where someone with generalised anxiety might not have that same spiral of thoughts, but they might go, my partner's 15 minutes late. Oh, do you think they've had a car accident? Oh, my gosh, which which path did they take? And, oh, my gosh, should I be calling someone? And put like, so their worries could be anything of, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, the hair straightener, like, did I leave the hair straightener on? Oh, my gosh, should I go home? Oh, my God, should I call the fire brigade? Should I call the neighbour? You know, okay, I'm going to put all these post-it notes around my house to to handle the hair straightener, you know, (laughs) when they automatically turn themselves off nowadays, you know. But you can see how even just understanding what is the thing that makes me anxious can even that can have a big impact on your life too. And that's great. And then you can, you have so many skills and techniques to help people to manage them to come back into more regulated states on a daily basis. Mm. Yeah, that'd be so awesome. (laughs) I really appreciate you coming on today, Sheena. If people want to go find you and also do your quiz, where can they go? We'll also link yeah, it in the absolutely. show notes. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm over on Instagram. So it's sheena.holistic.com. 
therapist. I'm also on TikTok now <laughs> under the same name. So yeah, I'm out there getting there. And then the business is actually Savasana Collective, which is a bit of a mouthful. But if you find me on Instagram, the links are all there anyway. But it's S A V A S A Collective, all one word, dot com. Yes, we'll link it all in the show notes. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Today was fun. Thanks so much for listening. Subscribe to hear more and stay updated when we release a new episode. But we would also love you to write a review if this episode has resonated with you. Remember that nothing changes if nothing changes. So reflect on what you've learned from this episode. We would love it if you messaged us your key takeaway as well. Until next time, keep showing up for yourself, take action for your health and remember that you're powerful.